Welcome to the Joyful Weight Loss Podcast, where each week we discuss the science of food as medicine, its impact on metabolic health and obesity, Christian approaches to gluttony, and how to find joy and grace during weight loss. I'm your host, Sarah Wells, MD. I'm a wife and mom of four, a weight loss coach, and a physician specialized in obesity and lifestyle medicine. I've also lost over 90 pounds and kept it off for years. This is your stop for the tools and encouragement you need to improve your health and show up at your best to love and serve your community. Hello and welcome back. I hope that y'all are having a great week. Um, This episode is falling um, during kind of the week before Easter. Um, Some or many people are probably on a spring break, so I don't know if you'll be listening to this before Easter or after Easter, um, but hopefully you're getting a little break in your routine and being able to enjoy being outdoors, enjoying the sunshine, and hopefully not bothered by the pollen too much. So in my medical life, my medical career, I'm certified in a fairly new medical specialty that's known as lifestyle medicine. Now, the aim of lifestyle medicine and lifestyle medicine physicians have is to address the root lifestyle behaviors that drive disease and health. So we we see things like diabetes and extra weight as signs that there is a problem at a lifestyle level that needs to be addressed that there is a root to that disease process that needs to be treated. And while medications are absolutely part of treating the disease, we know that getting at the roots of the disease, the driver of the disease, can and addressing those roots and those drivers will have way more impact long-term. So for example, we can't mop up the mess on a floor if the sink is continuing to overflow onto the floor, so to speak. We have to go to the faucet. We have to find the faucet. Where's the source of the flooding water? And we have to turn that off. In the same way, we kind of have to look at the lifestyle and figure out what is it that's overrunning this life and causing this disease. Um, So this is an allegory for what people are doing when they continue the same eating and inactivity habits that have caused their diseases while just adding on different medications. So the medications may sort of help for a little bit, but if you're not turning off the faucet, the flood is going to keep coming. So we can't medicate away the disease while still doing the things that are also worsening the disease and really expect there to be long-term improvement. Um, And we're just continuing to fuel the spread of the disease while medicating it if we don't address what's driving the disease process. So we have to turn the faucet off first if we're talking about the overflowing sink. And then when we go to dry the floor, the floor can actually stay dry. So medications absolutely may need to be part of the treatment that's needed. Um, But you also have to remove the poison that's driving the disease itself. So turn off the sink or in many instances, turn off the flow of sugars and processed foods into our life. And that will help deal with the disease process that is being promoted by those poisons. So 
There are choices in lifestyle that can be made to kind of quell the flames of disease. And once those lifestyle changes are addressed, there's a whole host of physical ailments that have the potential to be either improved or reversed. Um, The chronic disease is springing up as a symptom of inadequacies at a lifestyle level. So when we see symptoms in lifestyle medicine, we look for the root problem. The cause of the symptoms is some kind of disease process, right? Well, the cause of the disease process is often some kind of metabolic imbalance or metabolic dysfunction. And the metabolic imbalance or metabolic dysfunction is the result of lifestyle problems. It's the uh, result of probably several different lifestyle problems that are all feeding into this metabolic irregularity that's been ongoing. Um, Like I've talked about in previous episodes, it could involve poor eating habits. It could involve, you know, eating the wrong foods, eating too much of the wrong foods, eating too much food in general, not getting enough sleep, not understanding how to manage stress in a healthy way, and not getting enough physical activity. These things can all drive the lifestyle problems that lead to metabolic imbalance, that lead to disease, that lead to the symptoms. So, but we can go, we can look further. We can look at the lifestyle problem and kind of look a layer deeper than that. What is it then that's driving the poor eating? What's driving the the staying up late, not sleeping? What's driving the stress? What's driving the decision not to make physical activity a priority? Well, we can go a layer deeper than lifestyle medicine goes, and we can look at the thoughts that you're having. We can think about what is it that's making us think that we need to reach for that kind of food? What is the motivator um, for not um, taking the right path in terms of moving in a healthy way regularly and in terms of eating the wrong foods? So how are we thinking about our circumstances? How are we thinking about um, the world around us? And are we are we rewarding ourselves? Are we using food as a reward? Is this a thought pattern that's in our circuitry of our brain that we need to address? Um, so those are some drivers of lifestyle decisions that need to be looked at. And we also can look at hormonal drivers um, to our lifestyle choices that are not best and figure out what hormonal fluxes are driving our overeating. So those are some root causes that underlie the lifestyle imbalance, that underlie the lifestyle choices, um, which underlie the disease, which is a cause of the weight problem and the fatigue, the symptoms that we've experienced. So in this podcast, I've discussed so many of these different lifestyle factors over the last year and a half or so that can change, that we can look at, that we can address. But this week, I want to go a few steps deeper. I want to go beyond the lifestyle habits themselves. And I want to go a few layers beneath that to even deeper root causes. And I want to ask, what is it that drives our lifestyle? Beyond asking what the lifestyle is that's at the root of our diseases, I want to ask, what is at the root of the lifestyle? So what is at the root driving the daily choices we make Um, of the things we want to change, and of looking at whether we succeed or fail in making those changes. So first, I would say driving our lifestyle are habits, habits that have been ingrained 
after years of practice. And our minds and our brains have very well-trodden neural pathways and brain circuitry that we frequently follow because it's familiar. We, it's so familiar, we don't even have to think while we follow these habits. And some of those habits are good, and some of those habits are not good for our health. And so those lifestyle things that are driving our disease are potentially habits that have to be broken, pathways in our brain that have to be broken down, and new pathways must be built in terms of new habits that become automatic. And so how did we make those habits to begin with? We kind of have to look at what is it that's making it easy for us to continue them. And we need to make it harder for us to continue those bad habits and make it easier, set up the environment that facilitates it being easier to start these new habits and maintain these new habits. Usually the habit was initially born out of the path of least resistance. What was easiest? And if we didn't decide to be intentional and what habits we cultivated, we kind of fell into what was easiest. So it's time as we address these lifestyle drivers to think about being intentional in the habits we're cultivating, to try to make the good habits, the healthy habits, the healthy lifestyle um, choices, the easier ones in how we set up our environment for success. And eventually, hopefully, we can get into a place where it becomes automatic that the lifestyle choices we make are the good ones, that it becomes more habitual to choose the good lifestyle choice in various areas. Um, And we've talked about that in previous episodes too. So what's another another driver of our lifestyle? What's another route to our lifestyle? Well, um, we have tools and food access and conveniences. So some some areas of our lifestyle have to do with what we currently know how to do. It's possible we need to perhaps learn how to plan food, plan meals. It's a skill we need to develop. We need to develop the skills of meal planning, and then we need to develop the skills of preparing healthy food. So that's a skill set. This is knowledge that we can increase, that we can learn to help us change our lifestyle habits and our lifestyle choices. And so it's possible that that's another area that's driving our lifestyle changes that we simply need to practice and learn different things that are skill sets that will help drive healthy lifestyle habits. So another area that could be driving our lifestyle choices is the emotional comfort factor, stress coping. Um, Behaviors that drive disease for so many people stem from the deep need for comfort amidst the storms and difficulties, or even just the everyday small stressors of life. So we develop these vices in our lifestyle as coping mechanisms largely because they trigger that quick-acting dopamine surge in our neurotransmitters that bring us that temporary emotional relief. And because we're feeling emotions that are not good or that don't feel good, um, when we start to notice them, if we don't get to eat to buffer them, we have to feel them. (laughs) So despite the awareness we may receive about how these eating behaviors are harming us over the long term, we keep pursuing those vices because they make us feel good in the midst of stress and they make us forget about the feelings that don't feel good. Um, And we have to look at, well, why why are we having those feelings? Well, their feelings are there because of the way we look at the world around us, the way we're looking at our circumstances and the way we're thinking about our circumstances. Are we taking every thought captive about what's happening 
in our lives? Are we looking for God's goodness in the hardships we're facing? Are we believing that he has a plan for us despite what seems so challenging, that he has a plan for our good? Are we taking our thoughts captive and believing what he has told us is true about ourselves and about the world around us? So we have to learn to look at the thoughts we're having and consider them instead of instead of rushing to cover over emotions with quick dopamine hits and eating. We have to learn to th- to feel those emotions and understand what is it we're thinking that is driving those emotions and then consider ways to take those thoughts captive and change the way we believe and think about what's happening to us. Um, so for dealing with this root driver of lifestyles, we really have to peel back the layers and look at those thoughts and look at taking our thoughts captive in a better way to cope with stress that's leading us to, to take the wrong lifestyle choices. So I've talked about thinking, taking thoughts captive, and I, I just want to emphasize choosing thoughts of goodness and beauty and truth on a regular basis needs to be our intention, and it needs to be a decision that we make. And deciding to med- meditate on those. Um, you know, we don't know when the stressful times in life will flare up. We don't know what kind of things are coming tomorrow. So if you want a steady flow of water, of of springs of water that you can drink from, you've got to build up a reservoir every day. So you've got to build up a reservoir of beauty and truth and goodness every day. And even when it's a day that doesn't seem as stressful as others, you go and you fill up that reservoir. Um, And that way, when times are hard, you can draw water from that reservoir that you've built up that you've consistently added to every day. So we have to dig deeper and beyond the feelings that are making us or that we think are making us um, reach for the unhealthy foods. And we have to look back and figure out what the thoughts are that are making us have those feelings. And then we have to look at going deeper to figure out where are all those thoughts coming from? And can we just choose to change them? Can we choose to see the beauty of life in all of its mess and to move through each day with gratitude, even despite pains that we're feeling? So is that root thought the deepest place that we can dig back? Is that how we so-called sort of fix ourselves by changing that root thought? Or is there something deeper? Is that really the deepest root? Or is there a deeper driver of the thoughts themselves? And I would say that, yes, really, we can go deeper than those thoughts. We can actually look at what's driving our thoughts about the world. And that's what I'm talking about when I say we're entering the belief level. Our, our thoughts about reality and about what's real and what's what's happening around us and to us and who we are, those thoughts are revealing our deepest beliefs. And everyone has beliefs. We all have beliefs about who we are about where we came from, about why we're here, and where everything around us came from. We all have beliefs about why everything matters or why anything matters and what our purpose is. So I want to ask you is, what I want to ask you is, have you sat down lately and just thought about those beliefs, really looked at your thoughts about the world and what those thoughts tell you about what you're really believing? Because 
What you believe at your core spiritual level is driving what you think about when you experience life around you, when you experience challenging, changing circumstances. What your beliefs are at the deepest level is revealed downstream and how you think and how you feel and in how you live your lifestyle. And that outworks in a disease process or in a process of health and building your health. So going back to that deepest layer of belief is very, very relevant in your desire to change your long-term health. So you're going to want to look for inconsistencies. When you look at what you're feeling that's driving you to eat, and then go back a layer and look at the thoughts that you're having about your day or your week or your life that actually made you feel that way, you need to be willing to ask yourself, what do those thoughts tell you about what you actually believe? And then you need to say, well, am I actually believing what's true? I have to ask myself this all the time as a Christian. I often find that I forget at a deep belief level that God is actually for me and for my good. I can look at circumstances sometimes and forget that that's the truth. I can be like Peter when he stepped out of the boat in the storm and he looked around him and saw the high waves and the wind and he just started to sink. If you know that story, you know that when Peter looked up at Jesus, when he fixed his eyes on Jesus, he was able to walk on the surface of the water and cross the water to Jesus. So when you're seeing that there's some inconsistency in what you say you believe and the thoughts you're thinking, you have to address that and you have to be willing to look at those hard questions at do you really believe what you say you believe? Because the outworking of your thoughts about the world around you should reveal to you what your beliefs really are. To make lasting changes to the way we live our life, we have to get to the root of what drives the way we're currently living. And that absolutely leads us to bigger spiritual philosophical questions. So this week, this week, leading up to Easter, where so many around the globe are celebrating Easter, take this as a week to ask yourself those hard questions. And they can be scary to ask sometimes. Ask yourself, why do you struggle with your health? What is the purpose of the struggle? And why are you here? What is your purpose in this life? Who are you and who who are you made to be? Who are you designed to be? And who is God? Who do you believe God is? Do you believe that God is for you? Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe, is there a grand order to this, this life? Is there order behind everything happening? Are you, do you believe that you're loved unconditionally? If you believe that, what does it do for you? Or are you trying to prove something to someone? Do you need to prove anything to anyone? What are your beliefs about the world, about how it came to be, about why it exists, and why you're here? And are you thinking thoughts about your circumstances that are consistent with your deep beliefs? Or are the thoughts you're thinking about your circumstances inconsistent with your deepest beliefs? If your thoughts are inconsistent, 
What do you want to think that is consistent with your beliefs? Where are you going to go to get the thoughts of truth and beauty and goodness that will drive you forward in taking care of yourself and in responding well to your circumstances and responding well in stressful situations? What is your what is your goal in life? Is it to maximize convenience or ease or pleasure? Or is it bigger than that? Are we living with a particular purpose? Is our life part of a cause greater than ourselves? And how does what we believe about why we are here, about how we got here and about who we are impact how we spend our days and the details of how we choose to make decisions about seemingly small things? Things that over time will build our health physically or destroy our health physically. So one big, big issue that so many must grapple with at a belief level is about our value. Do we believe in our value? Do you believe in your value? That you have intrinsic value? And do you treat yourself with that value in mind? Do you nurture gratitude for who you are and for what you've been given, who you are right now? I believe that God has created each individual person in his very image. So that in itself is the greatest, most amazing thing to understand about myself, that I must treat myself as someone who's made in the very image of God himself and someone who has value because of that. I know my value more as I come to know God more. This is not value that's based on performance or something I do well or something I do at all, but of just being. Um, Do I understand, do you understand that our value comes from first knowing God himself? Because when you come to see that he loves you, you realize that you have nothing to prove. You are absolutely loved in a way that cannot be undone. And when you find and believe in unconditional love, it's transformative on every level. And in reality, there's only one source of that kind of unconditional love. So when you believe that God loves you and calls you and names you as his own, and that he wanted you to know him so much that he actually sent his very son to rescue you out of your darkness, you experience a love that gives you complete purpose and complete belonging in a way that will drive everything in your life in a different direction. So the circumstances of your life might be near impossible at times, but the way you look at them when you know God, the glasses you put on when you view them, those come from the beliefs that you have at a core spiritual level about who you are, about who God is, and what he says about you. So when our core beliefs are founded on something so solid, then we can think with clarity about our circumstances. We can see the future as being one that's full of hope and full of design, and we can even laugh at it, even at the unknowns ahead. This is a joy that seeks us out through pain. This is a joy that's deeper than happiness and that drives our feelings despite our circumstances and through all kinds of circumstances. And then those feelings will generate actions of nurturing ourselves and stewarding the gift of our bodies and the gift of our health and not being afraid 
of feeling hard things because we can use them to help us look into our deeper thoughts and beliefs and look at where we're missing and not believing the truth. So there's a verse in Proverbs that says, a merry heart does good like a medicine. And it turns out that that can actually be true. This lifestyle disease that we're battling is a heart level condition. This starts at the deepest level in what we believe. And so we really have to look at our beliefs to be able to change the the downstream impact of those beliefs. I hope that you'll have a great day. I hope you have a great Easter. And I hope you'll come back again next week for more.